Carnival time in Louisiana. This is one of the busiest times of year as visitors pour into the state for Mardi Gras celebrations. The fun and excitement isn't limited to New Orleans. Each region of the state has different events planned. This is the Get a Game Plan podcast hosted by the Louisiana Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, or GOSEP. I'm Mike Steele, the Communications Director for GOSEP. Thank you for joining us. We hope many of you listening to this podcast plan to make Louisiana part of your travel plans. If not for Mardi Gras, maybe you will choose one of the celebrations in the Bayou State that take place each year. We also want you to stay safe. Today's podcast will focus on some of the resources and information you need to enjoy your time here. Before we get started with our interview, we like to start each episode with emergency preparedness information. If you're planning to travel to Louisiana for Mardi Gras, there is a wonderful resource to help you with that step. Check out TravelLouisiana.com. There you can hit the Festival and Events tab and enter the keywords Mardi Gras. You will see all of the events with a calendar to help you pick out the important dates. Of course, all of the main New Orleans area events will be listed, along with the more traditional events in areas like Acadiana. Other events take place in North Louisiana and Central Louisiana if those destinations are more accessible. Again, check out TravelLouisiana.com. That's today's preparedness tip. And speaking of Mardi Gras, it is just around the corner, and we have a special guest with us today, Carlin Arnold, the director of the Orleans Parish Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. How are you doing this morning? I'm great. Thanks, Mike. One of the things we wanted to talk about was uh, we wanted to kind of take a look back to start. Uh, There was a lot of attention on New Orleans over the past few weeks with the national championship game and some of the other events going on. And from what everybody's saying, it seems like there were a lot of uh, success stories with that event. Is that kind of what you guys were dealing with? I mean, I really think it couldn't have gone better than uh, than how it did. It, it, we have been incredibly busy in the city, and we've had, uh, you know, over the last year, obviously some some challenges uh, with infrastructure and with uh, the Hard Rock Hotel collapse, uh, and also cyber attack. You know, of which the, the the state is aware because they've had a similar incident happen just weeks before. So uh, all things considered, uh, with the challenges we faced, and we worked with our stakeholders, we worked with our public safety and our operations people, and we worked with the event coordinators, and we were able to come up with alternatives. We were able to lean forward and able to host you know, a nationally televised New Year's Eve uh, Sugar Bowl the next day. And then within a week or two, we had the national uh, championship for the college football in our city with a presidential visit. Uh, I, I really, you know, it just, uh, I think it's a testament to how New Orleans and how the state handles uh, tourism and how we handle uh, special events. And we are, as a city and as a state, a special event destination. And, you know, there's so many things going on year-round, conventions, uh, different events in the city, smaller festivals, smaller uh, weekend events, those types of things. But obviously, we are kind of moving into to the Mardi Gras uh, mindset at this point. Uh, talk to us about what you guys expect. Uh, are you are you hearing any numbers, you know, from uh, projections or anything as far as the number of tourists coming in? Do you think it's going to be a big year for you guys? 
It's certainly going to be a big year. I mean, we'll, we, I believe we'll have visitors in, you know, the million to million and a half range, which is about typical for what we expect during Mardi Gras. I'm just going to say this. What you pointed out is exactly true. We submit over 200 special events to uh, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security for consideration in their special event uh, assessment rating or SEER rating, as we call it, uh, every year. And so, um, you know, they're ranked SEER 1, which is like a, a Super Bowl, a uh, political convention, uh, you know, a, a very high level national uh, significant special event is a SEER 1. It, it entitles the, the host city to a lot of uh, federal assets. And then below that, there's a SEER 2 rating, which is kind of, and it's an event of national significance, which also dedicates federal assets to um, host the event. And then there's SEER 3 through 5, which are varying degrees of interest, both national and local, but they don't really uh, get that same federal uh, asset uh, offer that the SEER 1 and 2 events get. So in the United States, there's 28,000 of those submitted nationally to the U.S. Department of Homeland Security a year. Uh, special events, 28,000. Only 17 to 19 of those 28,000 are SEER 1 and SEER 2 events. Wow. The, college, the college football national championship was a SEER 2 event. We were, uh, and, and I believe it had a lot to do with the amount of people in town and also, of course, the presidential visit. So it came kind of late before the game, uh, but we were able to leverage really quickly a lot of federal assets uh, to assist us in that response uh, and to, to that special event, which I think helped us greatly. For the first time ever, Mardi Gras uh, this year, the, at least the second weekend, what we call the big weekend of parades, uh, which is, uh, you know, Friday uh, through Tuesday, uh, Fat Tuesday, has been designated for the first time ever as a SEER 2 event. So out of the 17 to 19 um, SEER 1 and SEER 2 events in this country, two of them will be in New Orleans this year, which is pretty much unheard of. So what we're doing now is we have uh, met with initially and are, we'll have another meeting next week with our federal partners. They've, de they've designated a federal coordination team uh, led by uh, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and Homeland Security Investigations, FBI's involved, uh, ATF, DEA, a lot of these federal law enforcement assets are involved. Um, we are working with them and have developed a list of, re of requests uh, that we have for assistance. A lot of that's going to be law enforcement. Uh, we're hoping to get physical protective barriers, lighting, a lot of different things that the federal government can leverage, but also some, some different, uh, you know, things. We, we want to do... Um, uh, we want to reach out to the CDC and get some live tracking of coronavirus, although it's a very low, uh, at this point, a very low risk, low impact uh, to our area. We want to make sure that when we're having a lot of visitors in town that we're keeping up with the 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 most intelligence that we can. A lot of intelligence assets, uh, you know, obviously the, the Louisiana State Fusion Center and GOSEP help us out immensely during special events, and, and I expect the same this year. But we'll also have that Joint Terrorism Task Force and the FBI uh, leveraged in. We're going to have some additional camera resources and just some additional intelligence. Now, having said all of this, we have no specific credible threat of any type of activity or um, any type of negative activity or terrorist activity that is anticipated for Mardi Gras. There is none of that out there. But what I think this shows is that the federal government, with this SEER 2 ranking for the first time ever, has realized that 
Mardi Gras is a huge event that it sp- uh, spans over multiple days. And, uh, you know, the Rose Parade, as an example, is a Seer 2 event, has been a Seer 1 event in the past. That is one parade on one day. Now, I'm not... Uh, that's, a, that's a great parade, and it has a lot of international and media interest, right. uh, which is why it gets that designation. It's also in a community that probably uh, is, is smaller and needs uh, – Pasadena needs that additional resources and assets. But we really adequately, I believe, uh, made the case over the last year, year and a half that we have 12 days of right. rose parades. That's one morning. You know, That's one morning parade. for you guys. Right. 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 We we do four to sometimes five or six parades a day. Right. And so, uh, you know, I, I think we're finally they're realizing that we're actually having the the head of the FEMA and DHS their special event office, the one that collects all of this information on a yearly data call. They will be uh, with us this year during Mardi Gras, and I plan on having her out in front of a couple of parades. It's walking with us, with the police chief, to just see the magnitude of, of, of what this is. And so, you know, you'll see uh, a lot of our similar assets and resources locally and at the state level uh, for Mardi Gras that we do. Uh, you know, uh, people ask, uh, ask during CFP, the media asked if this is uh, the federal assets coming in as a cost savings. You can't... These events are all hands on deck. We mm-hmm. don't send anybody home from the NOPD because there's federal assets coming in. That's right. What I would say is this is this is additional uh, yeah. additional support that you know we very much welcome. Yeah. So we'll have you know every police officer works, uh, you know every fireman works, every EMS paramedic and uh, medical technician works. You know it's it's an all hands on deck. Uh, situation. And, and I would say the same, not just for public safety, but for our public works, our sanitation crew has to hire uh, hundreds of temporary uh, help to assist with cleaning. And, you know, we're really working hard on this. One of the things we've also done is we've, and I'm actually going down in front of the council today and we anticipate approval, is we have made some real common sense ordinance changes to the Mardi Gras ordinances that we worked on uh, based off of what we saw last year during Mardi Gras, uh, the mayor's first Mardi Gras uh, in as mayor. And so you're going to see some uh, ordinance changes as uh, more well-defining uh, the the pendency of a parade, as we call it, where it's going to be four hours before the parade is when, you know, we start considering neutral grounds and things um, active, mm-hmm. and uh, people will have to comply with a lot of the same rules where, where we're just better defining that time. Um, we're doing some things, uh, quite honestly, for the environment and for our own infrastructure, which is we're really trying to um, tamp down on the amount of large plastic bags that go off of the floats into the street. It's a safety hazard. It also gets into the storm drains. And let's face it, it's not very environmentally friendly either. You know, it's a lot of garbage. So we're trying to we're trying to uh, monitor that as well. And then also from a Homeland Security standpoint in particular, we are now going to really 
uh, limit any type of uh, storage container, box truck, or large vehicle within two blocks of the parade route on either side of the parade route. That is going to be a new requirement uh, this year and uh, hopefully be passed uh, today at about one thirty or 2 o'clock. That's so, good. you got to adjust. Know, these are, these are, I mean, you have, to, you have to adapt to a changing landscape in, in our security in this country. You know, and, and like I said, and I'll say it again, no specific credible threats of anything specific during Mardi Gras this year, but we're always, you know, we always have to look forward and, you know, if, if we're not looking at these things and considering them uh, and, and I guess, innovating, um, then we're not doing our job. Let me ask you this, kind of kind of keeping in the same topic about uh, protection and about safety. You know, this show focuses on a lot of topics that are, that are Louisiana-centered, but uh, let's say you're speaking to someone that you know from the Midwest and they're coming down to New Orleans for the first time for Mardi Gras. What do they need to know as they come into town? What, what information can you give them as far as what they need to kind of be uh, on the lookout for or aware of? Well, I mean, the first thing I would say is you can you can actually communicate with us and you can be our partner. And that's a huge part of what we're trying to do with this office uh, with, as far as community engagement, both with our residents and with our visitors. I would suggest a visitor coming into town uh, from anywhere can uh, text the word Mardi Gras, one word, to 888-777. Again, that's Mardi Gras, one word, to 888 888- Seven seven seven, and you'll get real-time updates about parades, street closures, uh, Mardi Gras safety tips. Um, the hotels are a great resource for this as well. We usually put out uh, some handouts and flyers for the hotels at the front desk. But really now in this digital age, you have the, an amazing amount of information in your hand with your smart device. You can also uh, go to routewise.nola.gov, routewise.nola.gov, and that is a mobile app uh, that you can actually have in your hand that shows all the parades, the schedule. It's a parade tracker uh, and, and a little more. Uh, it actually shows the beginning and end real time of the uh, each parade as it's rolling. Uh, it shows where all of our public restrooms are, porta potties wise, out on the parade route, which is a which is great for people uh, that are spectators out at the parades. Uh, it has the location of all of our first aid stations along the parade route in case you have a, you know, you get hit by beads, which happens sometimes, and maybe are slightly injured. There are also that is uh, manned by EMS personnel uh, as well, as well as lost children location uh, stations where NOPD uh, can corral lost children, and, and those things happen in these parades, lots of people. And then also we have all of the vendors uh, along the route as far as food, and so it, it's. It's really just a nice um it's just a nice app to have a lot of information and uh, we even find that our public safety officers uh, use it on the route you know to to know how how much longer they're going to be at that parade and also uh, especially with the lost children in the first aid stations able to refer people to that so you know and and then other than that when uh, you know I talk to people that um, first of all when I have people from out of town that are wanting to come visit I say you have to come to New Orleans at least once during Mardi Gras you know it, it it's it's one of those experiences that you really just uh, is is unique. And um, other than that, I say just always watch yourself in crowds. Um, 
you know, uh, obviously things can get pretty rowdy on Bourbon Street. And, and if you want to experience that, which everybody should at least see the spectacle, they should, but they should just use the same kind of common sense and, and, and sound judgment that uh, you would use in any type of situation where there's a lot of people and a lot of festivities and a lot of crowds. And then I would also say the experience uptown on the parade route is, is significantly different. It's much more family oriented, much more family friendly. And so I think by going to both and experiencing both, you get a real idea of what Carnival and, and what Mardi Gras is all about. Good advice. And and then from a parking standpoint, are there things people can do as far as, you know, maybe public transportation or ride shares or anything? You know, there's a lot of uh, parking concerns and, and congestion, you know, in, in, uh, in the city. Are there things people can do from a parking standpoint that would help you guys? There really is. Uh, all of our parking information will be live and updated regularly at ready.nola.gov. Uh, ready.nola.gov. That is the Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, uh, our website. And, you know, NOLA Ready is our uh, our vehicle for uh, reaching out to the public and, and alerting the public and informing the public. So you'll know about a lot of the parking restrictions. They're adequately marked, but it's also, you know, handy to be able to uh, go to our webpage, look at kind of some of the uh, the parking restrictions that are you know pretty well known and uh, we don't anticipate a, a whole lot of uh, change to that I will point out one in a second but um, you know also there's a lot of tips about ride sharing there's tips about um, uh, using bicycles and walking and uh, you know we're working to create some pedestrian and bike friendly walkways this year uh, across the parade routes which is a new project uh, that that we've been working on trying to um, to minimize the potential for vehicle and pedestrian and bicycle conflict that can be out there during and after parades, because it does get very busy on both sides of the parade route with traffic. And there are a lot of restrictions out there. Uh, the other thing I would suggest, and, and I would say is one of the big changes this year is we do still have an active um, collapse zone uh, with the hard rock hotel um, demolition that is that is imminent and will be going on soon uh, after Mardi Gras. I would say that, uh, you know, the 1000 block of Canal Street is still closed to vehicle traffic as well as uh, the corresponding Rampart uh, Street. So that intersection, which is a pretty vital intersection uh, and, and, and a major artery in our downtown area, is still affected by this. And look, yeah, I said it at the outset, we had some real big special events come through here, and there was a lot of concern about that. But we were able to greatly mitigate uh, traffic issues because I believe the public listened, and we're the type of city that's a walkable city, and I believe that people will um, – when presented with these challenges, they, they do the right thing and they, uh, they walk, they carpool, and uh, they use bicycles and they minimize their impact in that area and try and avoid that area as much as possible. And unfortunately, we're going to deal with that this year. Uh, we have rerouted some parades. In fact, two of our largest parades in Demian and Zulu both will be routed around that area. And we're really just encouraging people, uh, both residents and spectators, uh, visitors that, that are spectators of the parade to really just avoid that area out of safety and just out of, uh, you know, out of common sense. Great advice. Yep. And and, you know, we have so many people, you know, I've had relatives come in from, from, you know, Pennsylvania and other areas that wanted to see, you know, Mardi Gras firsthand and those type things. So if you know people are coming in, if you have friends, if you have loved ones, 
talk to them about these issues we talked about today because the more informed they are before they get to the city, uh, you know, the safer they can be and, and, and the, the more pleasant the visit can be in some cases. So wonderful information. Yeah. And listen, you, you pointed it out at the beginning. Um, we're, we're, we have a lot of special events. So, so after Mardi Gras, there will be a time where uh, we're on a timeline now to actually um, mitigate this, this collapse and, and hopefully, you know, get that uh, at least to a point where um, it's safe uh, and can be demolished completely and, and, and we can be done with it. And that's really what we're shooting for right now. But I'm telling you, rolling right into April, first weekend of April, women's final four, another national sport, uh, you know, significant sporting event will be here in town. Uh, then the second weekend of April, we have uh, Easter, which, you know, obviously is a very observed holiday here in, in Louisiana and in New Orleans, uh, along with Crescent City Classic, one of the larger road races mm-hmm. uh, in the country. Then in the third week, we go into French Quarter Fest, which is probably second only to Jazz Fest as far as music, free music festivals in this country. Uh, and then uh, the fourth week of April, we move into the first week of Jazz Fest. So I, it, it's it's not slowing down, yeah. you know, and then we'll be looking on the horizon. And that's great. Uh, but, you know, this tempo is this battle rhythm that we're on is, is you know, it's not slowing down. We're, we're continuing to have these events. And then obviously we're looking forward and rolling into June 1 with uh, hurricane season again. And, and our and our basketball team stepping up now. So there's a lot <laughs> of things exactly going on. Right. So right. um, uh, last thing before you go, could you talk about, and, and I know I was fortunate to be in some of the, the planning meetings this week. Uh, if yes, people and do, thank you for that as well. well no problem. But if people do <laughs> see an issue um, uh, taking place, maybe they see something that looks out of the ordinary, what's the best advice or what's the best reporting mechanism uh, for the public if they do see something that looks out of place? We say it all the time, and I don't want to sound cliche, but if you see something, say something. And, you know, that can be communicated very quickly to the numerous amount of, of public safety uh, and operational personnel that are out on the scene uh, and out on the parade route. I mean, we all, uh, you know, thanks to, uh, in great part, the state of Louisiana, we have uh, in the state and in the city, uh, by extension, an incredible communications network as far as, as public safety radios. And so we have the ability now, uh, even when we have state troopers uh, out on the parade route, we have Department of Corrections out on the parade route, we have uh, numerous outside agencies and agencies from around the metro area and around the state, other parishes, we can all communicate on the same radio system. And so I think it's really important to note, and that includes firemen and EMS and even our uh, operational personnel, sanitation, and public works have radios that all work on the same system. So if if you see if you see something that is suspicious that you don't like that you're concerned about, reach out to anybody wearing a, a you know the high vis vest, the uniform, uh, any public safety or city official that's out there, and they will be able to relay that through uh, a very robust communication system and a, and a 911 dispatch system that uh, and and center here in New Orleans that is second to none. And we can we can address these issues immediately. And I think that's the best way to do it. All right. Well, thank you very much. I know it's a busy time. Thanks for taking a few minutes out for us. And uh, best of luck with the with the upcoming uh, parades and, and Mardi Gras celebration. And uh, we look forward to working with you. Thanks, Mike. It's, it's, it's always a pleasure. And I really appreciate the, uh, the partnership we have with you.
we'll move to the emergency resource segment for this episode. This is something we talked about in depth on our last episode, the FEMA Region 6 podcast. Our partners at FEMA Region 6, which includes Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico, have started a podcast which highlights various emergency management topics similar to what we do here. It's another excellent channel of information for emergency planning and for explaining the emergency management process. Check out the FEMA Region 6 podcast. Thank you for joining us for our Get a Game Plan podcast. Please encourage others to share this resource and subscribe. We want to thank Colin Arnold with the Mayor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness in New Orleans for joining us with important Mardi Gras information. Don't forget to check out the resources he mentioned. You can also find out more preparedness information at getagameplan.org. We want to thank producer Troy Perez and the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA, for use of their studio. Sign up to be an organ donor today. Find out more at donatelifela.org. Also check out their podcast titled The Gifted Life Podcast. You can find out more on the topics we talked about today by following GOSEP on Facebook and Twitter. Remember, get a game plan. On behalf of the staff at GOSEP, thanks for joining us. We'll have a new episode available next month. podcast is produced in partnership with LOPA and the Gifted Life Podcast. Find out more about organ, eye, and tissue donation by listening to the Gifted Life Podcast at thegiftedlife.org or download it from your favorite podcast app.